All right. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome. Happy New Year, everyone. Glad to see you guys today. It is a, it is a great day to be in church. Come on, the first Sunday of a new year. Are you excited to be in church? Amen, everyone. I got something to celebrate with you guys. A lot of you guys were with us during our Christmas Eve Eve services, and uh, it was just an amazing, amazing night. Two services, um, obviously Eve Eve, so uh, right before Christmas, and um, uh, we got together afterwards, and we were, we, were, we were talking to some of the ushers, and they were like, Pastor, I'm going to tell you, we had 794 people show up to Eve Eve services. Come on. We can celebrate that. Amen. For us, that's a big number. That's a big number. I don't know uh, what your church background is, but for us, that's a, that's a, that's a big number. And uh, the, the number on top of that is the number of salvations, which um, I didn't really have a, like, you know, raise your hand moment, but so many people, we can tell. There was just so many people hanging on every word that was spoken that night. We know that there were salvations, rededications. Uh, the parking lot team came in afterwards, and they were like, Pastor, I'm just going to tell you right now, we think there was roughly about 100 people that didn't even make it into the service because they drove in the parking lot. There was no place to park, so they went to Denny's, right? And so, so uh, we, had, we had people parking over at our neighbors next door at Grace and just walking up the road. It was just an incredible, incredible night, and uh, I'm excited uh, that we got to celebrate together. Of course, Brother Cliff spoke last week, did a great job. Aren't you excited for the Next Generation Communicators? Amen? We got... We got a lot of communicators around here that can speak the word just as good, if not better, than I can, and I'm excited about that. Um, Today, we're going to start a new series, and um, every year about fall, I go into this time of prayer, and I'm really trying to kind of get a gauge on what the Lord wants to do over the next season at your place, church, and uh, it seems as though the Lord has just led us this way over the last several years that there is a theme, if you will, that falls out of that time of prayer. And uh, it started several years ago. In fact, we did one series, oh man, it's been, I don't know, years ago. And, and we titled it, Change Before You Have To. And I don't know if all, you know, how many of you were here for that series, but essentially the, the theme was we can change before we have to, or we can change because we have to. And we really hammered on some things physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. I mean, if you think about physically, you know, we can either we can either change before we have to, or because we went to a doctor's visit and they said, "Listen, you know, this would have been completely avoidable if you would have just ate better and exercised." But here we are. You can change before you have to, or you can change because you have to. We said that with relationships. There's so many people, they're like, you know what? I really need to focus on my relationships this year. I need to focus on my marriage this year. We, we had great intentions on starting the marriage journal together and, and reading through that, but then time got away from us, and we got distracted, and next thing you know, we're arguing or we're fighting. Well, we can change before we have to, or we can change because we have to. And then, of course, spiritually, that one seems pretty easy because we are obviously a, a, a church, um, but a lot of people have great intentions at the first of the year, and a lot of people have great uh, aspirations and really want to focus on God, but then, again, we get distracted and things happen, and then another year comes around, and we have the same goals for ourselves spiritually that we had last year because we just didn't 
change. We didn't make an effort. One year, our series was called Church Like Family. That was our theme for the whole year. And that was the, really the year that uh, our life groups ministry really started to take some, some ground and get some traction underneath of them. And, uh, and we really kind of felt like even though we're growing as a church in multiple services on the weekend, uh, we still wanted it to feel like a family. After that, we, we did a series called Planted. This was just a couple of years ago, Planted. And uh, the Bible talks about how you can be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And that's how the Lord sees us. We want to be those who are planted, not just potted. A, a, a planted tree can withstand a storm. A potted plant gets blown off the porch, right? And we want to be those that are planted in the things of God. And then, of course, last year, for those of you who've been worshiping with us over the last 12 months or so, you knew that last year our series was We're Better Together, and then it had kind of this underlining uh, thought of hear, believe, and obey. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so we've, we've had a lot of talk, a lot of, a lot of years, if you will, of us coming together, of us learning how to hear the voice of God. I've said this before, the number one thing I can teach you as your pastor is how to hear the voice of God for yourself. Because not that you don't need us, but you don't need us all the time, amen? When you can hear God on your own, you can be led in real time about real decisions in your life. And so we, we went that direction. Well, last November, I took a few days, and we just, I just went on a writing retreat, and, and I prayed about 2024. And I felt like, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, 2023 felt a little bit more of a fight than I wanted it to. I mean, there was a lot of things. I mean, on the church side, we were believing God for increase to do the things that the Lord wanted us to do. We were believing God for the Resource Center, and we launched that thing last July. And I mean, I think they told me they've ministered to 318 people since July. Amen, everyone. I love it. We were believing God for our college. If you're new with us, we have a leadership development college uh, that happens here on Thursday nights. And we were believing God for that. We were believing God to stretch and to do more. And all of it happened, but it just seemed like it was a little bit more of a, mm, you know what I mean, than normal. I, I felt like we had to kind of dig in. I know for Tyra and I personally, it was a, a little bit of a fight uh, in certain times of 2023. Uh, I, I shared with, with you guys, I mean, we have a, a property that's a rental property in Branson, and it flooded last year, and we had to do $62,000 worth of work, and there was just a lot going on. Um, our kids all had kind of some challenges as they were reaching for greater things. And if I'm going to be honest, just individually, I fought through some things just trying to get to this next level. And the theme song, I think, for 2023 is Don't Stop Believing by Journey, right? Because we had, we, it, was tempting, it was tempting to just be like, God, where are you at times? And I think if we're not careful, we'll fall into that mindset. And this is why a lot of people kind of let go of the reins of their spiritual lives is because it seems like we were going through seasons where this whole thing was was easy and then all of a sudden it got challenging and all of a sudden we had to actually use our faith and we had to dig in and we had to believe God for some things and some people can't 
can't weather those types of seasons. And so I feel like what I thought was going to be just a, um, a theme for our family, as I was praying about it last November, the Lord really began to impress it upon me, no, this is going to be the theme of Your Place Church for 2024. And so are you guys ready for the theme of 2024? Here we go. Walking by faith sounds easy until you actually start walking by faith and not by sight. The challenge is, while you're believing for supernatural breakthroughs, you're seeing natural obstacles. While you're believing for God to open doors that no man can shut, you're seeing all the doors that have been slammed shut in your face. While you're believing for the promotion that comes from God, you're seeing others promoted around you. While you just seem to be going backwards. While you are faithfully sowing and believing for increase, you are seeing only decrease. While you know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can imagine, you're seeing less than you hoped for. The fight is for your eyes. Faith is predicted on trust. It's not on understanding. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Stay in faith. Stop looking around. Start looking up. It takes both faith and patience to inherit the promise. He who promised is faithful. So I will fight. Mm, come on. Amen. The theme of this year has to deal with a spiritual endurance. It is this tenacity that comes on every single one of us that says, you know what? I know what the Word of God says. And whether I see it in front of me or not, it doesn't change the Word of God. And because the Word of God says it, I believe it, and I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for these things. And I don't know, maybe it's because I felt like we're fighting for some of the biggest things we've ever fought for as a church, as a family, as, as, a, as a community of believers. Maybe it's because I feel like there's people who honestly, I just, as a pastor, you see people who are getting ahead and they're making ground in their faith life and then all of a sudden something happens and they, they hit a wall and it's like they quit and they give up. And they, they throw in the towel and they're like, it doesn't work. I tried it and it doesn't work. And that's not the case. The case is, and the truth is, we have to fight in this life sometimes. And then again, on the flip side of that coin, we see people who are making just huge strides. What's the difference between people who are winning in their faith life and those who are falling by the wayside? There's a fight about them. There's a grit about them. There's a tenacity about them. There's a come hell or high water, I will win. And that's what you got to have, especially as we get closer and closer to Jesus Christ coming back. We read stories about this. As you, as you, if you're familiar with, uh, as, as the, the Bible talks about how this whole thing winds up, it's not going to get easier. There's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. There's, we're going to have to stand on some things. We're going to have to believe God for some things. But here's the case. He always comes through. 
And I genuinely feel like this is the year for breakthrough in many of your lives. Things that you've been believing God for. Things that you've been standing on His Word about. I believe this is the year for breakthrough. But it all starts in how we start the year. It's all dependent upon how we start the year. It's all dependent on whether or not you think this is your theme for your year or not. Now, the Lord is not going to give me a theme for a year and it just apply to our family. Like, there has been seasons of that, but when he says, no, this is going to be the theme of your church because I've got something in plant or something in mind for your church, that's all of us. Amen, everyone? So I want us to pray and believe God because I believe I have a message here that's going to start this year off right, but I want the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen, everyone? Father, we love you. And we're excited about a theme of I will fight because that means there's, there's victory ahead of us. There's breakthroughs ahead of us. Father, we know that, that life is not just a walking on flowery beds of ease, but there is something inside of the faith person that takes it, that takes and stands on what the Word of God says. And so, Father, we want to lean into that today. And Lord, we thank you that the the next few weeks, Father God, is going to be paramount to the success and the breakthrough that we're going to see as a church this year. And so, Father, we don't want to miss the opportunity. We don't want to miss what's lying right in front of us. And so, Father, I pray that you would lead me today. Father God, that my words would be your words. But more importantly, I pray that the Holy Spirit would strike a chord in the heart of every single person here, every single person watching online today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, I I had the opportunity, I'll say it this way, my brother and I, we had the opportunity to spend our summers uh, on our grandparents' uh, farm. They live just outside of Guthrie, Oklahoma, and um, she's, I, I told you guys this, she celebrated 103 years old or her birthday 103 years old last November and we celebrated that with her and we still own the land it's still in our in our family today Um, but we had the privilege of going and kind of working uh, the 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 land if you will we we learned how to be farmers during the summers of our childhood and we learned a lot about weeds seeds dirt hay mud sunshine rain like we learned a lot of that and there's a process known to some of the older farmers especially wheat farmers, um, that we can see in Scripture. Like it's a process that if you're, if you're familiar with agriculture or if you're familiar with the way things used to be done, then you're, you're familiar with this process, especially when we're talking about harvesting wheat. The first step in the process is sifting wheat, or of sifting wheat, is loosening the chaff from the edible grain, which is called threshing. Threshing. And it's an old-fashioned way to do this, and, and how they do it is they spread the wheat out on a, on a concrete floor, or a marble floor, or maybe it's earth that's been tamped down really hard, and literally what they do is they get the wheat by bundles, and they... They beat it against the floor. <laughs> or they'll stack it up in heaps and they'll use what's called a flail. And a flail looks like really long num- nunchucks. You know what I mean? Like you've seen the guys, you know, the karate guys use nunchucks, right? Well, they have a flail, which is those, but they're really long. And they'll stack the wheat up 
right? And the whole, like they just cut it, they stack it up, and they use this flail, and they'll literally beat the living snot out of the wheat. And the efforts that the good parts of the wheat fall to the ground, and it separates it from the chaff. Well, the next step is called winnowing, where the loosened chaff is removed from the grain. And again, the old-fashioned way of doing this is, is to grab it all and to throw it up into the air. Sometimes they would have a winnowing fork, and they would get it, they would get kind of look like a pitchfork, if you will, and they would get it in heaps, and they would literally toss it up into the air, and even a gentle breeze would blow through it and separate the chaff from the wheat, the good part of the seed, and it would fall back to the ground below. And there's several scriptures that talk about threshing and winnowing and how they apply to our spiritual lives. In Job chapter 21, the Bible says, How often is the lamp of the wicked put out, or does their, or does their calamity fall on them? Does God apportion destruction in his anger? Are they as straw before the wind like chaff, which the storm carries away? Another scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 41. Behold, I have made you new, sharp, threshing sledge with double edges. I've made you a new sharp threshing sledge with double edges. You will thresh the mountains and pulverize them and you will make the hills like chaff. Again, they were an agrarian society. They knew exactly what the Lord was saying here because they're all familiar with this process. You will winnow them And the wind will carry them away. The storm will scatter them. But you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. We see this again in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is talking. He says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. His winnowing fork is in His hand. And He will thoroughly clear His threshing floor. He will gather His wheat into the barn. But He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And it's this thought that as wheat grows, the part of the wheat, the head of the wheat, is the part you're looking for. It's where all the wheat seeds or pods are, if you will. Well, as those things break through, these little chaff comes off of it, right? These little strings, and then the stalk itself can't use that. You just want the, you just want the seeds. And so literally, they would cut the chaff off, or in this case, beat the chaff off, and then they would let it fly away. They would gather it up, and then they would burn the chaff and then turn the wheat into food. The chaff was unusable. The wheat is what you wanted. And so here's my question as we start 2024. What is the chaff in your life? What is the chaff? What is the unnecessary part? What is the fluff What is weighing you down? What is the stuff that doesn't really add value to your life anymore? You know, I can can ask a question. Tyra and I were talking about this the other day. And how many of you here know what a Stanley Tumbler is and who's most likely to carry one? Okay. We know. All right. 
but how many in here can actually quote and know what Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says? How many of us um, know who Taylor Swift is dating? How many of us know the name of Moses' wife? Moses was married? He was. Do you see what I'm saying? We've allowed ourselves to kind of be exposed to, and listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. A lot of that stuff is great, but it's chaff. It's chaff. And I saw this, I saw this uh, meme the other day on social media. Uh, and so, and it's like, it was like, what if we treated our Bibles like we treat our cell phones, right? You're, you're standing at line at the, at, at the bank, you know, standing in line, kind of read, you know, normally we'd have our, we'd have our cell phones out, right? Or we're, we're driving down the road. Right? We're in line at the grocery store. What, what if we treated our Bibles like we do our cell phones? I tell you, we would probably understand and know what Moses' wife's name it was, right? We would know a lot more about the things of God. And so here's my question. What are we distracted with? What isn't really adding value to our lives, but is still taking up room or space that we could be putting something else of value in there. Now, if you're new with us to Your Place Church, every year we join hundreds of other churches at this time of the year in doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Can I tell you something? The fasting part is the threshing. The fasting part is the threshing. And I feel like this year, more than any other year, normally I'm like, you just fast what you want. You just, whatever between you and the Lord. And there is a piece of that, like you, you listen to the Lord. But I feel like this year, more than any other year, because our theme is I will fight, I feel like we as a community of believers should fast. I feel like we should, we should drill deep inside and see what the Lord wants to do. Now, the fasting is threshing. It's forcefully taking away certain pleasures from our body and our flesh and telling our flesh no. It's more than just cutting off distractions. It's more than just, I'm, I'm going to fast social media. I'm not going to drink soda pop for the next 21 days. Guys, it's more than that. I've allowed that to happen over the last few years. But I'm telling you, if you really genuinely want breakthrough in your life this year, you're going to have to fast a little deeper. Because this is the year that we're fighting for some things. This is the year we're fighting for salvations. This is the year we're fighting for a facility for our resource center. This is the year we're fighting. We had 260 people say yes to a relationship with Jesus. What if this year we had 500? Are you with me? Because when this thing is all said and done, it's not really going to matter what happened to us, you know, on the financial side of things, what's going to matter is what we did with eternity, what we did with people's souls. And I know a lot of people are like, I just don't really like the way this, this service is going. <laughs> I don't think I like that theme, right? 
I think, uh, I think you should you know, go back and pray again and come back with something a little better. And the reason why is we would rather sleep in. We would rather eat whatever we want. We would rather drink away our sorrows, watch Netflix, and just chill, right? That's what we want. We just want to just, hey, chill, slow down. Why are you getting so riled up? Because there's a stirring in my heart. There's a stirring in my heart. And if we see in Scripture, the Scripture talks about seasons like we're in right now. And it also talks about the feeling that a lot of us are feeling right now. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, listen, you guys need to mark this down. There will be terrible times in the last days. And we're getting a little closer to the last days. We're closer today than we've ever been to Jesus Christ coming back. And the Bible says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. We've never seen that as personified, at least since I've been alive, as we do in this generation now. It goes on to say, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, not, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't, I don't think I know people like that. Well, it goes on to say, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. There will be people who, you know what, they go to church on Sunday. They might even do a devotional. But according to this scripture, they are still denying what God really wants to do in their life having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then the scripture says, have nothing to do with them. This year's theme for our church is the polar opposite of that scripture. We're going to drill in. We're going to, we, we've got an entire discipleship course that we've, uh, we've created of what does it mean to live what you believe. We have, a, we have a, a vision statement at Your Place Church. We want to reach, connect, and equip people to live what they believe. And so we've defined what live means through Scripture, and we're going to be sharing that this year. And there's a lot to this thing. But most people look at that Scripture, and they don't look in the mirror and say, well, that describes me to a T. <laughs> right? Nobody says, I don't, you know, nobody looks at that Scripture and says, man, that, that's just reading, my, that's just reading my, my life. That's just reading my book, right? That's just reading who I am. But ask yourself these questions. Would you rather not obligate yourself to anything other than what you want to do? Are you with me? Are you only looking out for number one? Because culture has taught us to do that. I am only looking out for number one. I am only looking out for me. I'm only taking care of what's mine. Our world has, is ingraining these notions and making it seem right, right? And listen, I understand that we shouldn't have people bullying us or you know, telling us to do things that we don't want to do, but what it's done on the flip side is it's created this lackadaisical, lazy, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what you think about it. When in reality, what it's created is this whole letting go of the reins, of our salvation, 
What happens when you get too much change at the cash register? If you get, you know, you're, you're at the cash register and you, and you buy something and they give you too much money back, what do, what do you do? We were at, uh, I think it was Sam's birthday, wasn't it? We were at a restaurant and Coco goes and has a $5 bill and she wants to get $1 bills because she wants to go to the, the little changer and get quarters for the grandbabies, right? And she goes up and she hands them a five and she says, I just need, you know, five ones, please. And the, the cashier hands her back six ones. And she didn't catch it at first. She starts to walk away and she gets all the way over by the changer machine and she counts it and she's like, wait, there's six ones here. She takes the dollar back and says, oh, I'm sorry, you actually gave me six ones instead of five. The cashier was shocked that she actually brought the dollar back, right? We were talking to some friends of ours and they were going through the the checkout line and they happened to like a certain soda and they had five cases of it, or at least they thought it was five cases and, and, and it was her and she came up and she goes through the checkout and she didn't want to lift all the cases up. So she, you know, she picks one up and she says, I've got five of these and the teller goes, boop, 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 five times, right? Gets out to her car, goes to unload her shopping cart and there was actually six cases there. Picks the sixth case up walks back in line and says, I need to pay for this one. I didn't pay for this one. Clerk was shocked and said, I would have just left. That. That. How much is your integrity worth? A case of soda? A dollar because they gave you too much? What is that? It is a very minute version of a love of money. It's a love of money. Well, that's the clerk's fault. They're the one that made the mistake. But it's your heart at stake. Does this make sense, friends? Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. I think you're picking up what I'm laying down. There is a chaff that we need to separate ourselves from. Nobody looks in the mirror and says, that describes me. What's the chaff in your life? Is it a porn addiction? Is it a reliance on, on medication or prescription drugs? In some cases, it's friends, it's relationships, it's news outlets, it's social media. Second Timothy goes to call them out as well. He says, listen, verse 6, they are the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over gullible women. Don't be gullible, okay? Uh, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, look at this, always learning, always learning, Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as uh, Janus and Jambros opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as faith is concerned, are rejected. But the Bible says they will not get very far because in this case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. What's the chaff? What's the stuff, the filler? What's weighing you down that's separating you from the good parts of the Lord? This is the time of the year to acknowledge it. This is the time of year to fast it down. Fasting is the threshing. It's that sifting of the wheat. And it's uncomfortable 
I mean, if you think about it, it feels like someone's got a nunchuck and they're beating me over the head with it sometimes because when I wake up in the morning, all I want is a cup of coffee. And we're fasting that. For Tyra and I, we're fasting meats, we're fasting sweets, we're fasting dairy. We're doing the Daniel fast, which is just vegetables and fruit. And we're telling our flesh for the next several weeks, no. And we're getting up early. We're going to meet in this room every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. And we're going to join our friends on screen who will be live at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama with thousands of others. And we're going to tell our flesh no in an effort to tell God yes. Come on. Amen. And we're going to pray. And I'm just going to be honest. This year, it needs to hurt a little bit more than it has in the past. What does that mean? Some people are like, I'm fasting junk food. I don't want to hear that this year. Pastor is on. Like, he's edgy. He's edgy this week. What's wrong? He not eat enough turkey at Christmas? He didn't get Christmas presents, did he? <laughs> no. Listen. Um, fasting junk food, is, it leaves it too vague because you can determine what is junk food and what's not. So I want you guys, and again, you, you, between you and the Lord, what is it? What is it? What is it? But I, I think it needs to hurt. I think it needs to get down, and I think you need to tell your flesh no. Why? Because we have to fight for this. The first week and a half of the fast is the threshing. It's going to be the telling your flesh no. It's going to be getting up when your alarm goes off to get up and come and pray and, you know, you were up late the night before because the, the kid woke up or whatever, there's going to be an array of reasons to not do this. But I'm telling you, the winnowing happens the back end of the fast. That's when our life gets kind of tossed up and the good stuff settles and remains and the junk flies away. And the Lord begins to speak to us like he's never spoke before. And a lot of people are like, Pastor Darren, that all sounds painful. <laughs> there is a little bit of painful to it. But we're going to fight for it this year. And the results will speak for themselves. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Let us not become weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. If we faint not. We've been doing this for 15 years now, this, this fast in January. We added the August version. August is 21 days of prayer and feasting, but this in January is when we fast. And Tyra and I have been doing this for 15 years now, and I can tell you, without a doubt, every single time we come out on the other side of this season, God speaks, God moves, God does things. And this year, we're believing for breakthrough for you. We're believing for breakthrough for your lives. Financially, we're believing for breakthrough in health. We're believing for a breakthrough in our church. We're believing for God to do some incredible things. 
But here's the whole premise of it. Fasting without time with Jesus is just a really terrible diet. It's a really terrible diet. The whole point of the fast is to shut off the distractions, to shut off all of the things that has become chaff in your life and to spend that time in the presence of God. Listen to a worship song. Read your Bible. There's plans out there. I'm doing a New Testament plan right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm focusing in on the New Testament in 2024 and I'm just, I'm, I'm moving slowly through the New Testament now and I'm wanting it to speak and reveal to me like it never has before. Fasting without times of prayer and worship is just a really terrible diet. This is why Hebrews talks about, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. That's what we're going to be doing for the next 21 days. Fixing our thoughts every single day on Jesus. It goes on to say, but Christ is faithful as a son uh, over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope which we glory in. It's a fight for these things. And we're going to hold them confidently. And we're going to hold them dearly. And we're going to hold them tight. And here's what we know. When you do this, breakthrough happens. Some of you guys, you've been believing God for some things for a really long time. This is your year. This is your year. Tyra and I, in preparation for this, we, um, she actually was kind of stirred to get Jensen Franklin's book just called Fasting. And we thought we understood fasting. We've been doing this for 15 years now. We, we thought we understood it. But man, this book has just opened our eyes to some things. Every year, they do as, as um, chapel, free chapel, free chapel church. They've got multiple locations. The whole church does a fast. And some of them do the Daniel fast. Some of them, they fast all the way down, just water. Like, they're just doing water for for 21 days. But he started to share in chapter 9 of the book of different things that happened as a result of that 21 days of fasting and prayer. Can I read you a couple? Is that okay? This is some things that happened. I think I still have time. Yeah, I I got like five minutes. This is from a guy named Darren and his wife, Sarah. They were told that they couldn't have any children. They went on a 21-day fast, and later that year, Darren uh, testified, the devil tried to destroy the Lord's blessing, but we have a baby in our arms this year that we didn't have this time last year. They, They totally believe it's because they consecrated themselves to the Lord for those 21 days. Another person says, I received a note from Joan, um, another one of our members who wrote, my husband took the challenge of the 21-day fast. And even though he wasn't saved yet, why would you do that if you weren't saved, right? Even though he wasn't saved yet, it's because there's actually health benefits to it too, but I don't really get into those. 14 days into the fast, he woke up in the middle of the night crying. The next morning, he gave his life to Christ and was baptized in the Holy Spirit that night. 
not only did my husband get saved on the 21-day fast, but on February the 13th, my husband and all of our children were water baptized. Amen. Here's another one. Lisa and her son, this is Jensen talking about this. Uh, Lisa and her son, Ben, had uh, had an experience where life came to a jolting halt for them at one point after Ben was diagnosed with leukemia. He had gone through chemotherapy and uh, had all the side effects. On January the 5th, the first Sunday in January, when we began the fast, Ben was lying in, intense, in the intensive care unit, literally fighting for his life with a 107-degree fever. I knew the severity of the situation, and this is Pastor Jensen. So I proclaimed that we would begin the fast for Ben's recovery. Lisa told me Ben awoke at that moment. So they're watching online or whatever. And Ben awoke at that moment. The fever broke. He suffered no brain damage. And the leukemia went into total remission at that point. Amen. He goes on to say, but Lisa's story doesn't stop here. She joined the 21-day fast that year and continued on for 40 days. The Bible talks about there's a three-day fast, and then there's a a 21-day fast, and then the Bible actually talks about a 40-day fast. She goes on to fast for 40 days. This mother, in financial crisis, with her son near death and suffering from leukemia, fasted for 40 days. God honors that kind of faith and devotion. The Holy Spirit spoke to a man and his wife in our church, separate, just only had vague details about what was going on spoke to a man and his wife in our church and uh, to buy Lisa a brand new van. I called her and asked if she would come by the church office, but I didn't tell her anything further. On her way, the car she was driving at the time broke down. <laughs> After, uh, when, when she finally arrived, terribly apologetic, having no idea what was about to happen, I handed her the keys to a beautiful new van complete with a DVD player for Ben to enjoy and a check for an extra $5,000 that the couple wanted her to have. Amen. Oh, it goes on. Several weeks later, I called her up on the platform to share the testimony. Earlier that, mor- um, earlier that morning, I, I had asked her how much debt she was in. She said that she only owed $20,000 on her house because uh, she paid off all of her debts with that prior $5,000 gift. In that morning service, I presented her with another check from the same couple, this time for $25,000. Lisa and her son lived uh, their last few years in poverty, but now they're in a debt-free future. Amen. The open reward that God poured out was because of their sacrificial sacrifice and obedience during 21 days of prayer. Listen, friends, this is your year of breakthrough. This is your year of breakthrough. You can either change before you have to, or you can change because you have to. Don't wait until crisis is staring at you before you get serious with God. Let's take this year and fight for some things. 
Let's take this year and get some breakthrough. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We love you and we are thankful for the call to worship. It's a call to prayer. It's a call to fight. It's a call to see some things done this year. Father God, that we haven't seen up till this point. Lord, you've been good and we've seen some incredible things. For some of us, 2023 was a great year. But Lord, there's still more that you want to do. There's still more you want our church to do. There's still more you want us on an individual basis to do. And Father, we want, to, we want to separate this first few weeks of the year and just give them to you to do what you want to do in our lives. Father, I'm praying that right now by the Holy Spirit, you just deal with every single one of us on what we're supposed to do. What does the threshing look like in our lives? Father God, because we know this, that when we can separate the chaff of our life from the voice of God, from what you're doing, from what you're speaking, that our lives really do take on a whole new scene, a whole new experience, Father. So God, we trust you for it. Lord, I thank you for, for I'm thanking you in advance for all the stories that are going to happen as a result of what you're doing over the next 21 days right here at your place, church. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.